Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Exodus chapter number 25. The Bible said, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass, blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair. It said, and ram skins dyed red, badger skins and shittim wood, all for the light and spices for anointing oil and for sweet onyx stones and stones to be set in the ebon and in the breastplate and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. You can be seated. I want you to notice verse number, uh, verse number eight, where I'll take my text and then we'll look back at one phrase in here. The Bible said, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, as you open the book of Exodus and you study it in the connection with the rest of the Old Testament, you'll find that Exodus is one of the two great Old Testament redemption books. You say, what are those books? That's Ruth. Ruth shows us that it's redemption by purchase. Man, Dr. Parker's got that great book on the book of Ruth, and I recommend it highly. It's wonderful. And man, what a story that God's given us right there in that little book about a little Gentile woman that was born under the curse of the law. But thank God, because Boaz was a kinsman redeemer, and he was able and willing to redeem her there. Listen, that near kinsman said, he said, I cannot redeem her because it would mar mine inheritance. But thank God, listen, Boaz didn't have a problem because he was wealthy and he was willing to make that redemption purchase. And because he did a woman uh, that started out in the far country in uh, chapter number one. Uh, by the time chapter four closes, uh, uh, she is in the family uh, of the Redeemer. It was redemption uh, by purchase. Uh, but when you look in the verses and the chapters uh, of the book of Exodus, you'll find uh, that it is a rede- book of redemption, uh, but it's redemption by power. How God redeemed the nation of Israel out of that heavy hand of Pharaoh and the land of Egypt and brought them out of the Bible said with an outstretched arm. As you look in Exodus, you'll find that an enslaved people get saved and then a saved people get separated and a separated people get sanctified. Can I tell you, God took them According to Exodus chapter number 13, he took them by the way of the wilderness. May I say to you, the wilderness was not the problem. Can I say if it had been the problem, then the Lord would have took them the wrong way. The wilderness was not the problem. It was the wandering in the wilderness that was the problem for the nation of Israel. D.L. Moody said, 
and the Moses uh, uh, spent four years in Egypt uh, uh, learning how to be somebody. And then he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert uh, uh, learning how to be a nobody. And then he spent the next 40 years uh, uh, walking through the wilderness telling everybody uh, that he could lead anybody. Amen. I'm telling you when God took the nation of Israel and he brought them out of the land of Egypt, uh, he sent them a shepherd uh, that knew what it was to live in the wilderness. And you and I better realize the day in which you and I are living in. We're living in a dry and a thirsty land. But thank God we've not been left to ourselves. We've not left to our own devices. We've not been left to our own decisions. But thank God he's given us a guide. He's given us a shepherd that knows his way around the wilderness. I thank God for what's Known. In the when you think about the great miracles, I mean, boy, you go over there and Exodus, they come out, and one of the first miracles he does was the blood on the doorpost. Amen. And then they walked out spoiling all the Egyptians, and they came to the Red Sea, and he took the rod, stretched it over the Red Sea, and the wind blew and separated that water, and the entire, listen, a million, two million people walked across on dry. I don't believe they needed muck boots. I don't believe they needed waders. I don't believe they needed crocs, praise God. I don't know how the Lord did it, but they walked across on dry ground. I think them little Egyptian children, I mean them little Hebrew children, it's like they're going to the aquarium. I mean, they're walking through there and getting entertained while they went through, amen. I mean, listen, somebody said, well, I just don't believe God parted of the Red Sea. I just believe that was a creek. Believe that if you want to. That just means he, he drowned the entire army of Egypt in a creek. Amen. I'm tired of believe, people believing in this little G, little O, little D God, this little L, little O, a little R, little D Lord. Honey, I'm serving a capital G, a capital O, a capital D God that can still get the job done in the hour in which we live. I think about man that he sent a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. He sent them manna. He sent them quail. He provided for them. Their shoes didn't wear out and their clothes didn't wear out. He dropped that tree in the bitter waters of Mara and he made it sweet. He spoke to the rock and water came out. I mean in the, in the wilderness it was miracle after miracle after miracle and can I tell you in the day in which we live he's not one less bit God today than he was then. I'm glad he's got the power to deliver you and I in the hour in which we live. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for you and I. In Genesis 1, when it got to talking about the solar systems and creation of the heavens, he made this, he made this statement. He made the stars also. Five words, brother. And astronomers and astrologers have been studying the heavens for 6,000 years. They created the Hubble telescope 
that went and these new telescopes, a guy can go so far out through there and explore the unknown reaches of the galaxies and we still hadn't found the end. He did that in five words. I mean, we got NASA spaceships and man, we're doing something if we get to the moon. We didn't even scratch the surface. I mean, getting to the moon, man, that's just what we can see. There's so much more. There's 10,000 times more we can't see. And he did that in five words. Could it be, Brother Wilhelm, that the greatest thing that God did in the wilderness was not the manna? And could it be that the greatest thing that God did in the wilderness was not the parting of the Red Sea and not the fact that, uh, man, right there, that's a little sharp, ain't it? <laughs> Even with my fat ears, man, my eardrums are in there, praise God. I told him, Brother Jeremy, my, my Christmas muffin had exploded into like a can of them Hungry Jack biscuits, praise God. One of the most discouraging things I do right now is walk into my closet. Because two years ago and three years ago, I lost all that. I threw all my fat suits away. And now I've just got skinny scoot suits that laugh at me when I come in there. They just laugh at me like, ha ha, you can't put me on. Ha ha, it's a real blessing. And I want to just put them on and do a Hulk pose and just rip the whole back out of it. But Miss Amy wouldn't let me go buy anymore, so I just don't, I just walk on, praise God. Amen. Y'all skinny people quit laughing, praise God. Y'all ain't never felt that, amen, amen. All y'all skinny people are in danger of getting kidnapped. They're not gonna kidnap me. It's too much work. Sir, you better be, you better carry a gun, man. I spit up things bigger than him when I'm sick, praise God. Y'all know that's true. Don't you laugh either, praise God. You just have got married. You just give it about five years. You'll be praying J-Badges in prayer, Lord, enlarge my coast. But it'll be enlarge my coat. Amen. And she sure shouldn't be laughing as skinny as she is, praise God. But could it be that the making the waters of Mara was not the greatest thing? did in the wilderness could it be the greatest thing that he did in the wilderness was to design and to decree to decree a place for him to meet with his people you say, what do you mean? How do you mean that? Well, he said he made the stars also. He created the Milky Way and all the galaxies in five words. But when it came down to be, uh, making a tabernacle of the first place that God would meet with his people, he took 50 chapters of the word of God uh, and took it and made, he made it uh, a very detailed about the place that he wanted it. How uh, can I tell you? It wasn't the heavens that made the difference. Uh, it wasn't making the world. I mean, he did that one chapter. It wouldn't make it out. Listen, he stepped out on the platform of nowhere. I pulled back the curtain of nothing and spoke everything that was into existence by the word of his mouth. And he did it in a chapter. Oh, when he got ready, Brother Jonathan, uh, to us to have a place to meet with him, he took 50 chapters of the Word of God to tell us about a place. I want to thank God uh, that that's indicative of the real, the real importance uh, of that the Lord wants to meet.
meet with us and wants to dwell with us and wants to fellowship when he'll take that much of the word of God and describe the place that he wants to meet with you. I'm almost afraid we get the idea it's almost like the Lord's down here with a two by four waiting to crack anybody on the head that gets near him. No. He's saying, come on over here. I've got a place. Man, I, I've got a tape at home in my tape library. These kids don't even know what a tape is. December, or a Sunday night in December of 73, Dr. Seitler is preaching on that text in Psalm 78. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Brother Barker, I met some men that were in that service, said they were running in and out of the building. They'd run out the side door and run around, come back in and run. Yeah. They said, oh, I can just hear Dr. Seidler. God can. Can God? Some of you sitting here wondering, can God in 2020 furnish a table in the wilderness? And let me say, God can. Or can God save my backslid children? God can. Or can God save my spouse? Uh, that all he wants to do is cuss the Lord. Uh, I say God can. Uh, can God build a work, uh, an old-fashioned work uh, in 2020? Uh, uh, let me say God can. Uh, can God keep our children uh, unspoiled from the world uh, and give them a clean testimony? Uh, uh, can God save my children and my grandchildren? Uh, I want to say with Dr. Sandler, uh, uh, God can. Uh, uh, God can. A God still can. He begins. You get to Exodus 20 and God writes down the very first thing he ever writes down. He takes two tablets of stone and writes down the law of God. Let me show you how weak our flesh is. Moses has been on the mountain with God in the glory, the manifested glory of God. Watched him take two tablets of stone, his finger, and write the law of God on it. And he comes off the mountain and finds them dancing around the golden calf. What was Moses' problem? Moses' problem prior to now was his temper problem. He killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Because he got mad. Amen. Man, you'd at least think after being in with the Lord, Richard Barker, for a, a week in the Holy, I mean in the power of God, he could at least live right for one day. But he didn't. He walked off that mountain, blew his top, let his temper get the best of him, and broke the very first thing that God ever wrote down. I'm glad for an honest Bible. Because praise God, that means when I fail, I can look and say, man, if he was up there on top of the mountain talking to the Lord as he was his friend, I mean, in the Shekinah glory of God, that glory cloud set on that mountain, and he couldn't even live right for a day. But God, he's omniscient. He's omnipotent. Mm. Last time I checked, Exodus 25 comes before Exodus 32. 
So that means God knew that they were going to take their gold earrings and their bracelets and their necklaces and go to Aaron and say, give us a God that we can see. And he knew they were going to melt it down and dance naked around a golden calf. But seven chapters before they ever did that, he still said, I want a place to meet with you. He knew they were going to let him down. He knew they were going to worship a golden calf. Oh, but listen, in his omniscience, it still uh, did not keep him from the place uh, where he was going to give them a plan. He was going to give them his ideas and his demands about a place where they were going to meet. But can I tell you, thank God, even in the weakness of our flesh and in the failures of our life, I'm glad, thank God, there's a God with eyes full of mercy and a heart full of love that still wants to dwell. Oh, with this, I say praise God. If it was based on my behavior, if it was based on my performance, I'd never get in. Oh, but thank God, I'm glad in spite of me, in spite of my failures, and he knew what I was going to be, he still wants to dwell with his children. And now in Exodus 25, they... Begin to hear what he wants. He said, take an offering. Well, you know, Brother Sammy Allen read that verse, praise God. Amen. First thing he said was, bring me gold. What about the very first thing he asked them for was the very thing seven chapters later they were going to give to a false god. What is it that he wants out of an offering for you? But if you look real close, you're not giving it to him. You're giving it to a false god. You're giving it to the world. You're giving it to somebody else. That gold speaks of the deity of Christ. He said, man, bring me some gold. What's the next thing he said right there? Silver. Silver is a picture of the word of God. What's the next one? Y'all help me. Look at your Bible. Brass. Brass is a picture of the judgment of God. What's the next one? Blue. I heard Brother, Jerry, Brother Johnny Pope preached 25 years ago at People's Baptist Church when Dr. Charles Wright was there, Dr. Barker. Brother Pope came in and preached on a Saturday night at a youth meeting. We took the kids with Brother Willards and he preached that night on a ribbon of blue. A priestly garment on the inside had that ribbon of blue. He said, that's what that little woman with that issue of blood reached in and touched. <laughs> that, that ribbon of blue, she reached in there and got a hold of some power from another world, praise God. Amen. That blue speaks of heaven. Then he said, what was the next one? Purple. Purple robe my Savior wore. Oh, the pain that he bore. That royalty. Then he said, Scarlet. You go to Psalm 22, he said, I am a worm. Most of the time in the Hebrew, that's translated as a maggot. Rima. But it's, tra it's translated in Psalm 22 as Toloth, which means the scarlet worm. We wonder if this Bible's put together the way he wanted it. If it ain't, we're all going to hell. If he can't preserve his word, he sure can't preserve us. That scarlet worm. 
Hallelujah. She, when that scarlet worm got down, that mother scarlet worm, when she got ready down to have children, have little worms, you know what she'd do? She would affix herself to a tree. Glory. And scarlet worm would affix itself to a tree or a fence post and said that it would weave a scarlet protective covering over her body. Said the only way you could get her off the fence post or the only way you could get her off the tree was to tear her body into pieces. Said when she had them little, them little worms, she would begin the process of dying and those little worms would feed off of that living mother. Last time I as I got saved, I've been living off that living word. Praise God. Amen. And said when she began to die, this is all you'll read about it, said she would secrete a scarlet liquid. And said, said after them, after those little ones had got to the big enough to where she could live three days, said she would die. And said that scarlet covering would turn snow white and fall to the ground like snow falling out of the sky. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. It said when you looked at the tree where that scarlet worm died, it would be stained crimson red. I say praise God there is a tree that holds a great attraction to me. And it was stained not with the worm or the blood of a worm, but with the blood of the precious lamb of God. He said, bring me some scarlet. Yeah. What's the next one? What's the next one? Fine linen. There's his priesthood. What's the next one? Goat's hair. What's the next one? And the next one? Badger skins, ram skins dyed red. Man. I understand. I understand the blue. I understand fine linen. I understand silver and brass. I understand rams dyed red because you understand that was the outside covering of the ceiling. Oh, when the Lord looked down at the tabernacle, what was he looking at? He was looking at rams skins dyed red. But the reason you and I can fellowship with him in that tabernacle is because there's a covering of blood. But when he sees me, he sees the blood of the Lamb. He sees me as worthy and not as I am. He views me in garments much whiter than snow. For the Lamb of God is worthy because he washed me, this I know. But I don't understand that goat's hair. You young men are going to learn in years to come when you get a wife. There's a program out of hell that's going to cause you a lot of grief. It's the HGTV. <laughs> Your wife is going to watch the reruns of Chip and Joanna Gaines and judgment is going to fall at your house. She's going to think she's Joanna and she's going to mistake us for Chip. Man, two of my men took me elk hunting back in October for pastor appreciation. 
And I FaceTimed Miss Amy back. And uh, I noticed she was in the bathroom, in the boys' bathroom. And I thought, what are, and man, all of a sudden I heard, Whoa! and I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm tired of this wallpaper. I'm getting rid of this wallpaper. He said, you're going hunting. So he said, I, I figured I needed something to do. So I'm tearing this wallpaper down. Well, let me help y'all. My wife's five foot two. Our ceilings are nine feet tall. There's more sun that she can't reach than she can reach. So when I got home, the wallpaper was not completely taken off. God help. I said, Mama, look at me. I got a haircut. I'm not chip. I said, my chest is down around my belt now. I'm definitely not chip. Y'all know it's the truth, man. <laughs> you just come call her, me and, me and your pa-in-law and your uncle. Your uncle and, I, mean, I mean, you just come see us in about 10 years. Man, you... <laughs> God giveth more grace, neighbor. Amen. The two most important words you'll ever know in your vocabulary is yes, ma'am. Being right ain't worth it. Amen. Now, Brother Jeremy, y'all just built a house, didn't you, not too long ago? Y'all just redid this church. Well, when you get married, you have a built-in interior designer. And it's not within us. It's besides us. There's a conscience. Triple. At any point in building that new house, did Mr. Beck ever look at you and say, now, Daddy, right here in the centerpiece in the, in the living room, I know what we can do to make it one of them, what they call a show wall. Let's cover it with goat's hair. She never say that, did she? And any time that Miss Leslie walked in there, when you think about that beautiful wood office in there, man, I'd hate my dad to have a wood office like that. He could peel one of the doors off and beat the devil out of me at any point. That would be bad. In designing your office and all this beautiful church, did one time she ever look at you and say, man, I know what we can do to finish the church off. Let's cover two or three walls in goat's hair. Now, Preacher Barker, y'all just built a house. That's how long we ought to wait to build a house. <laughs> Amen. We built our house. I told him, I want three things. I want it brick. I want a king-size bed. And I want a bathtub big enough to lay down in. Outside of that, I don't care. I don't care. Rip. I sleep just as fine in that king-size bed. If it's purple carpet, green carpet, it don't matter. Amen. Amen. <laughs> point did she look at you and say preacher I think what we need to do so these grandkids will know they're in a unique house when they come see us we need to put some goat hair on the wall has anybody ever had that I don't think Joanna has ever looked at Chip even in Waco I mean, you know, now if it don't come out of Waco, it ain't, you know, it's not in. I know what shiplap is now. <laughs> Lord help us. I don't think I've ever heard Joanna say in all them thousands of episodes that I'm trying to go to sleep. And she says, look at there, daddy. We could do that. 
Tomorrow morning, mama, we can do that. I don't believe I've ever heard her say, Chip, let's put some goat hair on the, on the wall. But here's the kicker. We're not talking about a fixer-upper. We're not even talking about brand new construction in our day. We're talking about the very first place that God is going to meet with his people. You say, how important was it? Well, if you're walking up to the tabernacle from the outside, it is the very first veil that you will pass through to get in the tabernacle because it was the outside covering. So it must be pretty important. Goat hair. What's our first principle? Bible college students, what's your first principle? When you don't understand what something is, it's, you go back and do the what? The law of first mention. Well, I've had that Bible college class too. And I looked up goat's hair. And guess where the first mention is? Exodus 25. <laughs> really help me. Really expounded a lot of truth, Brother Jeremy. I'm looking for the law of first mention and I just read it. It's mentioned by name, goat's hair, Exodus 25. But we've seen goat's hair before. You say, where's it at? Genesis 27. Isaac's dying. He called Esau in. He said, Esau, I want you to take your bow and I want you to take your arrows and I want you to go out here and I want you to kill me some venison. I want you to make me some savory meat. And when you bring it back in, he said, I'll bless you. I mean, man, he said, man, I'm going to go out there and do what my daddy said. Uh, I mean, listen, we know Esau was that elder brother. He got the double portion. That was the reason. He was willing to sell his birthright so quick uh, because he sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage. Uh, the reason he was willing to do that is because he knew uh, that waiting in the wings there was still a blessing uh, that was going to be given to him because he got a double portion and now the time has come he sent him out to the field to kill him of uh, some venison and make some savory meat and come back in he was going to bless his boy but Rebecca heard that and Rebecca loved Jacob more than Esau and she said you look at Genesis 27. He said, you go out there, Jacob, Isaac, I mean, excuse me, Rebecca told Jacob. She said, you go out there and fetch me two good kids from the flock. And I will make it into savory meat that your father likes. And you can go in unto him and you'll get the blessing. That all sounded good until Jacob said, but mama, there's one problem. He said, Esau is a hairy man. And I am a smooth man. And if I go into him and he comes, calls me over and touches me, he said, I'll bring a curse upon us and not a blessing. And she said, you just do what I told you to do. You go get the kids and I'll take care of the rest. So he went out there and fetched those two good kids, brought them in and dressed them in, and uh, uh, Rebecca made them in. Uh, uh, making them into that savory meat and he got ready to go in. She said, hold on a minute. And she took him goat skins and put him on his arms and on his hands. And it wasn't the goat skin that it wouldn't be long. When he walked in there, he said, who art thou? And Jacob said, I'm thy firstborn, Esau. He said, I brought you that meat. He said, how'd you get it to 
quick. He said that God brought it to me. He said, well, come near unto me. He said, come near unto me. Because he knew he wasn't going to be fooled. Something was wrong. He had Esau's clothes on. He smelled like Esau. But he sounded like Jacob. And he called him near. And Isaac called him near. And his eyes were fixed. And Isaac reached out. And touched the hands of Jacob. But they felt like the hands of Esau. Because he felt that goat hair. And he said man. He said it's the voice of Jacob. But it's the hands of Esau. Come near. That I may bless thee. You see, what's the significance of that goat's hair? I'll tell you what the significance is. Jacob got a blessing that was not his. You know what that goat hair says to us? We're the brother that didn't belong. We're the brother that didn't belong. We shouldn't have been in there. Alyssa Jacob should have never been in there oh, with Isaac in that meeting. Oh, but because of the goat hair, he got access that he did not have prior to that. Oh, can I tell you, 33 years ago, I was on the outside. I was the brother that didn't belong. Oh, but thank God when I came unto him, he heard my voice. Oh, but he felt the hands of the Son of God. I tell you, I got a blessing. It's not mine. I got a promise that was not mine. I was going to hell. I was under the condemnation of God. But thank God for the day I got in a meeting I didn't belong in. And God gave me a blessing because of my elder brother. Praise God. I preached all out of the, in Christmas time out of Matthew 1. Man, if heaven, if I'd have been writing the Bible and heaven had been silent for 400 years, I think I might have said something else other than a genealogy right out of the gate. <laughs> but when you really get to looking in that genealogy, yeah, Matthew 1 1, 16 words in Matthew 1 1. Love. 16 verses in the genealogy. Love. There's three men that are listed in Matthew 1 that didn't begat anybody. You know that's how you get in a genealogy is you begat somebody. But these three men didn't. One of Zara, one of Tamar's boys, Urias didn't begat anybody in that group. And Joseph didn't begat anybody in that group. But they got in. You know how they got in? Sweetheart, they got in the same way we did by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Five women in that chapter. Five women in that genealogy. Rahab, Bathsheba, Tamar, Ruth, and Mary. Three of them are Gentiles, boys. Listen, number one, you go to the Old Testament, there ain't no women, there's no women in them genealogies. No women in the genealogies of the Old Testament, but there's five women, three of them Gentiles. Come on now. 
How in the world the three Gentile women, at least three, maybe even the fourth one, how of the good night in the morning, how in the world, you know, listen, in a genealogy where women don't even show up, but now there's three Gentile women. Is it any, is it any wonder that he would choose us to be his descendants uh, or when he had some Gentiles? Uh, they were listed in his ancestors. Uh, they got in by grace. Uh, we got in by grace. Thank God we were the ones uh, that did not belong. You want to guess how many times or what, what time Tamar is mentioned in Matthew 1? You know what time, which time as far as her listings in the Bible that was? Her eighth you know how many times Rahab is listed in the Bible? Eight. Five in the old, three in the new. Do you realize in Matthew 1, it's the only time in the New Testament where it says, it does not say Rahab the harlot. <laughs> Glory. Uh, did y'all hear what I said? She's mentioned eight times in the Bible. Eight's a new start. She's in one of five women. She got a new start by the grace of God. And in Matthew 1, it's not spelled R-A-H-A-B. It's spelled R-A-C-H-A-B. She didn't just get a new start. She got a new name. Amen. And eight times Tamar's listed. It's not T-A-M-A-R. It's T-H-A-M-A-R. Now listen, when she got a new start, she got a new name. I want to praise God. Listen, ones that didn't belong and shouldn't have been there. I got in because they were just like us. Uh, they were the brother that didn't belong. Hey man. The brother that didn't belong. When I came to pray today, he heard my voice. But when he said, come near, he wasn't goat hair that he was feeling. But a nail pierced hand. Hallelujah. Glory, we, we were the brother that didn't belong. And maybe when they walked in through that goat hair, they thought, man, I shouldn't be here. This wasn't my blessing. This was my big brother's blessing. Oh, do you remember when you came to church and you just didn't feel like you belonged? You felt like everybody was looking at you. You felt like everybody knew what you were involved in the night before you came. You thought, man, I can never be like these people. I could never, I could never be a Christian. I could never do this. Oh, but friend, you found somebody. Oh, that stood in in your place. And now no longer are you on the outside looking in. Now no longer are you on the other side of that middle wall of partition. But you've got the blessing because of your elder brother. Yeah. Song of Solomon 4. Somebody turn over there and find that. I'm hurrying. I said, number one, that goat's hair meant that you were the brother that didn't belong. Somebody find me Song of Solomon 4 1. You got it, son. That's good turning. Praise God. Song of Solomon 4 1. Man, I like it when they give me Bibles that's got outlines in it. <laughs> Take me a picture. Praise God. Just look at what it said. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. And thy hair is as a flock of goats. Now, young men, I don't suggest you use that. 
I, mean, I don't believe, son, that you looked at Lydia and said, hey, darling, praise God. Boy, you looking good tonight. Man, I just want to say, darling, your hair is like a flock of goats, praise God. <laughs> Pretty good indication that you're alive that you didn't say that. Because if she hadn't have killed you, her daddy would have. Amen. Amen. Do you use that on Miss Ray? How about you use it on Miss Leslie? I, I know y'all know I didn't say nothing to Miss Amy about no hair like flock of goats. Man, I married a redhead. Praise God. They'll kill you. <laughs> I was teasing Brother Cody Shue this weekend. He's preaching. He's single evangelist. I told him, Doctor Barker, I said I'm praying a redhead on you, son. It'll help your ministry. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Look, he, he, you're afraid to say man out loud. <laughs> he was going like this, Brother Jeremy. He was going. <laughs> And then I looked at him, and he manned up, saying, <laughs> "You know, look at him, man. He's under conviction now. He may ride on somebody else before it's over." You say, "Why in the world would he talk like that?" Because he was the shepherd, and when he looked at the flock, he knew what made it. He knew what made it special. What set it apart? You and I looked at goats. We just think, man, look at them smelly creatures that tear everything up. But a shepherd who raises goats, a farmer who raises goats, they know what makes them special. Can I tell you something? When this world looks at the church, they don't see anything special. They see what they think is a bunch of weak-minded people who need a crutch called Christianity to make it through this world. They don't see anything. But they're not looking through the eyes of the shepherd. See, that goat hair speaks to the fact that we are the brother that didn't belong. But it also speaks that we are the bride to be. The reason he would talk to her like that is because that was going to be his bride. Proverbs 31, he's writing about his mother. But in Song of Solomon, he's writing about his love. Are you listening? I'm about done. I've been preaching a while. Number three, you can go to Matthew 25, 24. He talks about when he comes in glory, he's going to set the sheep on one side and the goats on the other side. He's going to say that the sheep entered in into this promised light, all that. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. They said, when did we do it? He said, when you did any, the least of these, you did it to me. But he's going to cast them goats into hell. But now hold on now. He didn't ask for goats. He asked for goats. Hair. Why is that important? Because if he'd asked for goats, goats don't get in. He wanted goats' hair. And they ain't but one way you getting hair off a goat. The goat's going to have to die. And it speaks about a believer who's died to themselves. Turn your Bible to Luke, excuse me, Leviticus chapter 15, 16 and 17. Leviticus 16, I, back in the fall, back in the spring, right before, we got to, right before we got to Easter, I preached out Leviticus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. They used to sing, Brother Jeremy, you remember that old, that old hymn they used to sing years ago? Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thy love for me, lest I forget thine agony, lead me to Calvary. And that's what I preached. That's an old, mine and your hair was not gray. 
Well, Jeremy has aged better than I have. Look, his, his is still black on the top. It's a little thin, but it's still black. I preached on those Levitical offerings. I preached on that thought, lead me to Calvary. When you get to Leviticus chapter 16, you see words like atonement, atonement, atonement. You see a word called escape goat. Amen. See, Leviticus 16 is the great day of atonement. Could I say it this way, Dr. Barker? It is an Old Testament Calvary. An Old Testament Calvary. Talking about that, that great day of atonement in the history of the nation of Israel. But I want you to look at something. I mean, you see, look, verse 8, two goats. Verse 6, atonement. Verse 8, scapegoat. Verse 10, scapegoat. Verse 10, atonement. Verse 10, scapegoat. I like verse 21. Fit man. I'll say more about that in a minute. But chapter 16 is an Old Testament picture. See, you understand, man, I, these hyper-dispensationalist boys, they're missing. I mean, they can't, I can't find Jesus in the Old Testament. What do you do? Read it with your eyes closed? Good night. I mean, you'd have to just might as well tear it out. Because, man, he's in there. The Old Testament is the illustration book of the New Testament. Anything you find in word in the new is in picture in the old. Amen. Now look at something right here. Right there in chapter 16 is Calvary. But now look back at verse 50. Chapter 50. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, speak unto the children of Israel, saying to them, when any man hath to run an issue out of his flesh. And you can look in, you can look over there in some of the 16s and 18s and some of those verses. And I, I be careful what I say right here because you can go back and read those at a later date. But those are sins of the flesh. The most private sins of our flesh. I won't, we're in mixed company and I won't say a lot about that. But it's about those sins of the flesh and the cleansing from those. What about, the Bible said that any man committed fornication, he has sinned against his own body. So what about right here in the chapter that's as close to the Old Testament Calvary as you can get? He puts the most dirty private sins in our life right under the reach of one of the now go to Leviticus 17 and Leviticus 17 he's talking about verse 7 and they shall offer no more sacrifice unto devils and they after whom they've gone a whore and it talks about all them sins do you realize in Leviticus 17 the word blood is mentioned more in chapter 17 of Leviticus than it is in any other chapter in your King James Bible now let me help you right here what about that there was more blood after Calvary than there was before 
chapter 15 were sins against our body. Chapter 17 were sins against his body. And on the other side of Calvary, he, he had blood not for just the sins against our body. But there's a lot of us, if you're like me, I did more against him after I got saved than I did before. I got saved at 13 years old. I never drank beer. I never smoked dope. I never touched a girl. I did more after I got saved. I did more. But what about the fact that there was a covering for the sins of our flesh that are so private that we've sinned against our own flesh. But then there was blood for that sin after. Are you listening? That goat played a, a big part in that great day of atonement. Dr. Barker, come be my high priest. Come be my high priest. Brother Jonathan, you come be my fit man. I need me a little feller. Hey, little feller right there, you want to come help me? Come help me. Man, he was ready to preach, wasn't he? <laughs> All right, sir, I need you to stand right there by your pew. Go up there. Dr. Bark, you come up here and be my high priest. You come be my fit man. Come here, scapegoat. Stand right there, son. Come here, Brother Donathan. You stand, stand about right here. Preach me, brother. You help me right there. Stand right there at that back pew. Just put your back up against that pew. Just put your back up against that pew. Great to have a tolman. High priest is here. Whole nation of Israel's gathered. We kill that one goat. And they bring the scapegoat to the high priest. And the high priest would come, put his hands on the head of that scapegoat, confess all the sins of the nation of Israel. And then they, the fit man would take the scapegoat. Anybody want to guess how many times fit man's in your King James Bible? One time. You say, why? They ain't but one fit man. <laughs> they wasn't but one that was worthy to take our sin to a land uninhabited, to a land in the wilderness. Praise God. Amen. So that fit man, after the high priest, would have, would have confessed the sins of the nation of Israel on his head, the fit man would took the goat. According to Leviticus 16, he would lead him into a land. See, these guards were posted up in the mountains. And the fit man would walk and they'd watch him until he got out of his sight. They'd watch him until it got out of his sight. And watch him until it got out of his sight. And he would lead that goat into the wilderness. And that last sentinel would watch till it went out of sight. And he would stare and stare and stare until that fit man started making his journey back. And then the fit man made his journey back. Man, there must have been a lot of sin to carry out there. Ain't there? When he saw the fit man come back in, he would take his flag, wave it back up there to that next guard. And then that, that guard would see that one wave. Oh, he hadn't seen the fit man yet, but he's seen the man waving the flag. And this man would wave the flag to the next man. 
And then the next sentinel up in the mountains would wave the flag up back to the high priest. And the high priest would make the announcement to the nation of Israel. Our sins are gone. Our sins are gone. And thank God you asked me why I'm happy. And I'll just tell you why. Uh, because my sins are gone. And can I tell you what the goat hair means to me? Uh, that my sin has been taken into a land uninhabited. My sin has been taken into the wilderness. It speaks of a believer that's died to the old man. Uh, and we've got access because somebody died in our place. Anyway. And now, at Calvary, the fit man didn't take the sins of a race or the sins of a country or the sins of a year. But that fit man took the sins of the entire world from the beginning of time to the end of time and took them into a land uninhabited never to be brought back again. And when they walked through that goat hair, maybe they had realized a goat took their sin away in that picture. A scapegoat took it away. I wonder if that's why I wanted to hang that goat's hair on that outside. So when we come in, we'd remember that we were the brother that didn't belong. Some of us have got a good haircut and a good long dress and we don't cuss anymore and we don't drink. We don't beat our wife. And we've almost got to a place where we believe like we deserve what we got. But you spend a little time with some goat's hair and you'll remember you were the brother that didn't belong. And you were the bride to be. And you were that believer that's died to that old man. Now let me ask you something. If he wants to meet with us that bad, shouldn't we want to meet with him? Shouldn't we want to come to him? If he'll take 50 chapters to tell them just exactly how he wants the place that he was going to dwell among them. When he takes one chapter to make everything out of nothing, it's important to him. Creating the world or meeting with his children. Oh my, Brother Barker. He's not pushing us away. He's throwing his hands out and saying, are you heavy laden? Number 44 in that red book. Come unto me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Hear me and be blessed. I and meek and lowly come and trust my mind come my yoke is easy and 
my burdens light. It wasn't the parting of the Red Sea. That was the greatest act in the wilderness. But the greatest act in the wilderness, God had them build a place where he would meet with them. What does that old song say? How long has it been since you talked with the Lord and told his heart's hidden secrets? How long has it been since you met with him? It'd be a good night on this Monday night. If he took that much care to tell you that he wanted to meet with you, shouldn't we want to meet with him? Brother Jeremy, y'all come back. You and your family. I'm going to preach this message real homiletically correct. I preached the message. Now I'm going to give you my title. There's going to be a meeting. He designated, designed, and decreed a place to meet with us. How long has it been since you met with him? I didn't say how long has it been since you taught a Sunday school class. Or how long has it been since you choir? How long has it been since you got through the goat hair? Got under the ram skins, dyed red, and had a meeting with him.